Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. gentlemen to the latest edition of the woke bros i'm your faithful haitian host big was on the line as always is my brother comrade compatriot you know fellow nation of islamer that's right michael jamal shabazz abdul brooks what up michael just a cup oh and of course and and of course not to ever forget the the super producer the, the the evil genius junior my man Rob Lopez, man, on oh, the ones wow. and Wow, he is Evil Genius Jr. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll accept it. Evil Genius Jr. Wow. Genius, baby. Uh, just to get some house cleaning items out of the way, today, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to this on a Thursday, because I know you guys, once you see Woke Bros pop up on your timeline, you just got to run and listen to it. Today, Thursday, uh, November 15th, is the very last day that you could get this batch 
Um, and it won't be a, a batch of these for a long time. This batch of Count the Dings merch on cottonbureau.com. Search Count the Dings. Get you a shirt. Get you a, a pin, man. I, I, I got my two pins in the mail, and I was like, woo, I'm swagging on it, man. So make sure you guys get your hands on that. You're going to be mad when you see everybody stunting on the internet, stunting on the gram with their new gear. So make sure you get that. And, of course... Don't ever forget to listen to the Michael Brooks show. Sign up as a Patreon, man. This guy, Michael Brooks is moving out here, boy. Yes, sir. Got, um, yeah, we, we, we cracked uh, 1,700 patrons. So uh, join and uh, get the full get the full global entertainment, political education. We just did, uh, we were just breaking down the Amazon deal and also the a new piece with uh, this woman, Malaika Jabali, on the color of economic anxiety. And February 1st, live show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Get your tickets. They're moving fast. All right. Uh, so, Rob, you want to do these mailbag topics, man? Because, you know, I, I, I'd rather you just serve it up and me and Michael just do alley-oops, proverbial alley-oops, of course. You know, we don't dunk on people on this pod. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, so we uh, basically what we did is we reached out to the Twitter world and had everybody send in questions using the hashtag Woke Bros. Um, yeah, we picked out a couple. I picked out a couple for this week. We're going to go through a couple, see what happens. Uh, first off, right off the bat, we have a question from Yafeti on Twitter at Yafeti. Uh, he's asked, why do people think Beto should run for president? What kind of odds do you think he'd have in 2020? You want to take this, Mike, or do you want me to go? Uh, go for it. I'll tee off. I, okay. I, I think I honestly think I think Barry set a precedent where he hadn't even finished his term as a senator and he ran. And and of course he ran against Hillary Clinton, who had like a resume longer than you know you know what, and he won. And he won on ideas, he won on charisma, personality, uh, likability, all the things that Beto possesses in spades, right? And so I think people are looking at him as the quote unquote, and like it's stupid to say this, but the quote unquote next Obama, right? And I think that's where people are going with it. As far as his odds, uh. If, if, if we were handicapping it right now, I don't know what they got it in Vegas. I would say Elizabeth Warren is probably definitely the front runner, front runner between her and Bernie. And then you got people like Kamala Harris, uh, people like Sherrod Brown, people like Gillibrand, you know, sort of the rest of the, the crew. But I would say Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are the two top front runners right now. And, you know, if Beto got in, he'd be in he'd be in the Gillibrand group to me, in my opinion. I don't know about you, Mike. Yeah, no, I think he's in that more in that political profile. I think, frankly, he's more, you know, he's a better candidate than a lot of those other folks in terms of just his charisma and campaign style. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think his politics are not my politics. I'm much more to the left. There's two things that we got to think about when we think about the presidential election. One is, you know, obviously it's a matter of couldn't be greater urgency to get rid of Donald Trump. And I'll say something that a lot of people hate. I think that if you, if the goal is limited to, we just got to beat Donald Trump, like, old right wing corporate failed Anita Hill, you know, schlocky Joe Biden might be the guy, to be honest. Jesus Christ. Now, on the flip side, if it's really about 
we need to not only get rid of Trump, but get rid of all of the conditions that lead to Trump and global Trump and take on the banks and get everybody health care and, you know, do something about the environment and U.S. empire and prisons. I mean, that's still Bernie Sanders. Like, he's that dude. And also, Elizabeth Warren, to me, I like her, particularly on, you know, her strong suit. She's great on Wall Street. She's great on consumer protection. But I just don't. I, I just don't think she's got the charisma, the chops to do it, right. to be honest. Yep. Um, I think, you know, but look, I would say I don't think all of the kind of dumb reasons why Beto shouldn't run for president are all sort of out the window. Like, I think we're all done, with, you know, oh, wait your turn, blah, blah, blah. I mean, but, what did Donald Trump do before, <laughs> before he won? <laughs> exactly. So I, So I would basically just say, you know, it's it as I see it. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it, we have to de- we have to decide what we're really trying to do here. I do think specifically the map that you need to create, um, with you know the the industrial Midwest and everything. I mean, Beto was great. He endorsed single payer universal government health care when he ran for for the Senate. But you know, he's still very pro-trade agreements, kind of business oriented. Mm. He does come from the family of landlords, which you got an arch and eyebrow at. Yeah. So no, I don't know. Yeah. It's a red flag. Uh yeah, I mean I don't see why he shouldn't run. I don't see the downside of running. Uh and and again, I would encourage a crazy huge field, man. Why the yeah. hell not? Why I, not? Why not? A huge field I, and a bunch of people who are talented and who who are interesting and and who are lefty. You know, uh, as as Michael stated, I, I listen. I've I've loved Elizabeth Warren from the start. I don't know. Like I love Bernie in a boxing match against Trump because he is just so unflappable, and he. Yeah. He is so in tune with the bullshit and the tricks and the way people phrase questions, and he will not get off his message, and he won't try anything cute. You know, like, he won't try to be clever by half or cute by, like, no, 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 no. We gonna stay with the fuck we came here for. And so I love Bernie matchup-wise as a Trump foe. Uh, but again, like Elizabeth Warren fought for the Consumer Protection Financial Bureau, uh, She's been about this um, healthcare fight. Like she's she's shown that she cares about regular working Americans. Like that's basically her entire platform. And so you know, I got no problem with her. I love Beto. Just like a, you know, and we talked about this on Woke Bros. We talked about this on the Michael Brooks show. I just love him as a dude. Like his ability. Like he just he just gets it. Like connecting and and getting people to understand that. Like yo, this is a guy I want to fuck with. I want to I, I want to lead me. Um, you know, he's an exciting dude. I happen to be somebody who likes Kamala Harris. I think the fact that she's a cop actually works in her favor because she's black. So so it's right. it's sort of that Obama thing where he's like a really conservative Democrat and he's really right leaning, but he's black. So he doesn't have to go too far left. Like he she can just lean on blackness. Can I ask you a style question though about Kamala Harris? So, like, look, I've got, I've got plenty of political problems with Kamala Harris, including the fact that she could have prosecuted Steve Mnuchin for illegal foreclosures in California, 
and she didn't. He's the only she's the only Democrat he contributed to, and that's a piece that David Dane wrote, I think, in the Intercept. So, Word. I had a lot of problems with Kamala Harris, but here's the thing that is is funny to me, just on pure style points. So people get very like you know the sort of like the the woke people kind of Twitter contingent, Kamala Harris. And the MSNBC kind of thing, people get very excited about Kamala Harris. Now, Kamala Harris is very good on the Judiciary Committee because she's a lawyer and she's a very – I mean she's, she's a cop. She's great at forensic questioning. Yeah. She knows how to put people on their heels. And it's great when she's doing that to some little gremlin like Jeff Sessions. On the flip side, if you have seen her out like at a campaign rally – or giving a speech or doing the type of thing that you need to deliver day in and day out to masses of people. Um, we don't know if she's got that. I've n- Not only that, I would actually go so far as to say she's pretty fucking dry. Mm-hmm. So it's like I get like she's intelligent. She's attractive. She has a certain – you know, she has a certain no bullshit charm. And then also I got to say like on the flip side, like let's face facts. Like I don't know if, you know, a really smart – like good looking, no children, African American woman who, you know what I mean? Like, I don't actually know if that's, I mean, for all of the wrong reasons, that might not play well. You know what I'm saying? Because of people's racism, mm. misogyny. But on the flip side, I'm telling you, like, you know, people, when we make these Obama comparisons, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm. No, she's not. Obama, she's not Obama. Stand, but <laughs> Obama is a once generation political talent. Yeah. And Kamala Harris, man, like, she does no. not give amazing speeches. She no. does not, like, she doesn't light it up like that. Is she not even Jesse Jackson? Because Jesse oh, Jackson dude, was not nasty. even. No. <laughs> no. No. In fact, the funny thing, honestly, like, again, this is another paradox, but, like, really bluntly, if Kamala Harris, like, if Kamala Harris was white, I think, like, she would, she would be Christian Dillibrand, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, hard, that's, that's, that's what I was making Barry point. But these are not great speakers. These are not really no. charismatic figures no. at all. 150%. If she were white, she'd be Dillibrand. She'd be, all right, yeah, we get it. A cool, dope, little pro- progressive woman that we all love. But, like, man, she wouldn't get people half as excited as she does if she weren't black. And that's what I'm saying. But I think... And she won't get half of the... And obviously on the flip side, she won't get half of the demonization and the racism. But I'm just saying, like... So it goes both ways, of course. But I'm just saying, literally just watching her the way you'd watch an athlete, you know, in the warm-ups. And it's like, uh uh-huh. And and by the way, and we haven't talked about this dude, but Cory Booker is... um, He's that in the reverse. He just yep. seems like a lion Such, ass motherfucker. Like he's just cornball. he's just untrustworthy as hell, bro. He's a cornball. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> I was I was in a car the other day. I was in a Juno and the driver was, I don't know, he was listening to some like, you know, local station, and it was like the day before or two days before the midterm. So they were just the airways filled with like those really, you know, cheap, direct, like political radio spots. 
And the one for Cory Booker was to- was all just like, and we've got to stand up, and we got to blah blah blah. <laughs> just, shut the fuck up, Corey. Yeah. Like bad like, Barry impression. He's just that, doing a terrible Barry impression. Barack Obama could get anyone. Like I remember, you know, I don't want to get into a Glenn Greenwald thing, but I just even remember like Glenn Greenwald, when Barry got reelected, Glenn Greenwald tweeted out during his victory speech, like if Obama governs like this, this will be awesome. You know what I mean? Like point being that like everybody except for just like stone cold Nazis could have moments with Obama who were, they were just like, all right, shit. This guy, <laughs> this guy's impressive. Yeah, Cory Booker, like, come on. Get out of here. All right, we can move on to the next question. I think we've done enough. Like, Pedro O'Rourke is definitely more Obama than Cory Booker, like, oh, without but, a doubt. No, that's, that goes without saying. That goes yep. without saying. Yeah. Pedro Obama. But hold on, and I do got to say, um, because Cory Booker... Is it nothing? A nobody has no freaking standing in the party. It's nice that we don't have a Hillary this time, right? Like our Hillary would be Beto, which is right. like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's such a goddamn relief. I just want to say it's so nice, man. We don't got no <laughs> Al Gore's. It's just like, whew, Lord, we we making progress, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and for the degenerates out there who are actually interested in the odds, uh, as yes. of last week, as of last week, Donald Trump is the favorite, obviously, as the incumbent. Um, right there, tied second is Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke. Third is oh. Bernie. Third is Bernie. Fourth is Joe Biden. Tied for fifth is Elizabeth Warren, Mike Pence, Cory Booker. And then you get a little crazy with Oprah, The Rock. That's you know what that is too. A lot of that is name stuff. Of course, where it's like they put that on the board. Vegas does because they're like, yeah, people know the name. They'll bet on Joe Biden. But it's like that dude doesn't stand a fucking chance, bro. And uh, interesting enough, Michael Avenatti is on here, the uh, lawyer for Stormy Daniels. He actually just got arrested today for felony domestic. You assault. know what? You know who I'd like to see get put over there? Uh, the Philly guy. Who? The- the the DA, oh Krasner. Ooh, I would love yeah, to see that's him. That's a good, that's a good point. If every because everybody because everybody's talking out of their ass about who gets to run for president, then why can't Larry Krasner? Run I would for love to see him get in the mix, boy. That yeah, would hurt. Although Krasner would... actually has a job to do. I gotta say, man, right. I, I don't <laughs> want to talk about Avenatti, but it's like I was always like, that's great. He's good on TV, whatever. But like, just the fact that. He, this guy was a thing. Like Democratic resistance no, type needs to calm. They need to calm the fuck down. That dude is a, you know, and to to a certain extent, to be a politician, you have to be a shameless self promoter. But that guy is like really a shameless self promoter. He's like Vince McMahon ish, bro. Like, oh, it, come on, man, is. get that guy out of here. Fuck out. Trump here. would eat that dude alive. By the way, uh, yes, he would. Yes, he would. Trump would sit down. Sit down. I tell you, uh, did you see the other day when Trump was with the CNN guy and he's just like, he's like, fake news, sit down, sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Over the course of- Okay, just sit down, please. Well, when when you report fake news, no. When you report fake news, which CNN does a lot, you are the enemy of the people. Go ahead.
Because I was thinking of, because uh, I love the Nation of Islam Obama, but I never quite went there where it would just be like, that's the white news, white news, sit down. Sit down, white news. Oh, Brett Barrett, you're a horrible person. You were grafted in a cave by a mad scientist. Now sit down. Did an AZ take off the same way as Jay Z or Nas? Was I got a lot of thoughts on this, but what do you what, uh, tell me first? I mean, when it comes to like Nas, first of all, he's just straight up not as talented as Nas is, right? Like AZ is talented, he's great, um, and he definitely skewed on the more street tail side of the Jay Z sort of stuff. But he just wasn't as talented as Nas, and he wasn't as cynical as Jay. That's just you know that's. <laughs> That's the long and the short of it. Like, Hove had a laser precision on, like, I'm going to get big, right? Like, I'm going to try to be as artful as I can while doing it. But trust me, the commerce is coming before the art. You know, he made that decision from from the gate. And Nas is just, you know, he's, he's probably pound for pound our most talented rapper ever. So that's why I think... He's never gotten as big as those two. Although, you know, he was a comparable rapper. I would never call him better than Nas or Hove in any, like, you know, objective context. But he's definitely a comparable rapper in the sense that, like, if he made a song, and, he, and you know, the, the, the proof has borne this out when he's been on songs with Hove and Nas. Like, he's been every bit their peer. But as far as a solo artist, no. Yeah, I mean, that's basically true. Although I will say there's actually a lot of tracks and I'm, you know, I'm like obviously a very big Nas fan, but I would say there's several Nas J Nas AZ tracks where AZ outshines Nas. Sure. Now fair now to be fair, it is like, you know, those a lot of firm tracks, and that was, you know, just not a like that just didn't work really as a concept. But yeah. There's several of those tracks that, like, I'm going to fast forward through the Nas verse to get to AZ. And I do think that, um, I don't know, it's crazy. I'm forgetting the name of, uh, of AZ, Do or Die, which I think is his first album. I think that came out in 1995. It's not, you know, yeah, it's definitely not Illmatic. It's definitely not um, Reasonable Doubt. Although I might, and frankly, I enjoy listening to it more than Reasonable Doubt, although not as much as uh, Blueprint. But I think, um, you know, he definitely, he, in some ways, though, while I don't think it's, it is not as good as Illmatic or it was written, it's kind of a great synthesis because it still has kind of some of the more sort of narrative and the kind of grittiness of Illmatic. It's a little bit more sort of like ground level. And then it, but it gets very cinematic. And then, you know, by the time it gets, the, it was written, which I think is also an underrated album. That's a very, very operatic, cinematic, you know, kind of like high concept, concept, you know, luxury gangster, global gangster imagery album. But I think, um, 
I don't really know why. I mean, I think like Waz gave all of the basic reasons as to why. But what's interesting to me is uh, I just think people like AZ, I've used this analogy before. They're like, like Mats Vlander, who was a great tennis player in the late 80s, or Yvonne Lendl. Like who are these, these guys who might even be at the absolute top for a minute? Uh, but they, they – so they're – they're not like sort of on the outer circles. They're they're up enough, uh, but they just don't have the staying power or the ascendancy. I remember I met a guy years ago who uh, we were <laughs> we were actually met at a yoga thing, but it turned out that he had been involved in the record business a little bit, and he knew them. And he, he he knew both Jay-Z and um, bo- excuse me, both AZ and Nas. And I asked him this very question, even though this is like 10 years ago. And he, he said, he said something like he basically said the line was AZ knows that he's great, but he doesn't really get that he's great. And it was almost like the ego is all there. But the real understanding of what he could craft for himself and what he actually has the capacity to do, he doesn't have that same kind of confidence level that a Nas has. So that was interesting. Question three comes from ArmyVet underscore Payne. He asks, and we can kind of expand this into a bigger discussion here that I was uh, interested in, but he asks, is Haitian culture in Florida different from what's in New York? For instance, East Coast black people culture and dialect are totally different from black people dialect down south. And uh, I saw the question and I kind of wanted to get Waz's and even Mike's opinion on this and also kind of twist it a little bit to see um, what Waz thinks about the especially in New York, I mean, the relations between African-American people and, and Hispanic people. But we can start here with the Haitian cultural differences since we have the Haitian sensation himself on the call. I think, I mean, a lot of this stuff is kind of obvious, right? Uh, like Florida, just its proximity to Haiti, like makes it more of an extension of the actual island because it's so much closer. People who live in Florida go to Haiti so much more often there is a more uh, synergistic, you know, symbiotic relationship going on between, you know, say somewhere like Fort Lauderdale, Broward County and Haiti, the actual island, than there is, say, Flatbush, Brooklyn, right? Um, it's proximity. And then, of course, the, the cultures of the, the places themselves, whether it be Miami, Fort Lauderdale and um, Palm Beach and all of that. Or even somewhere like Central Florida, like Orlando and Apopka and all of that, uh, to New York, right? Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, New Jersey, uh, even Boston. I just think there's just a more, and you know, whatever. People might say this is a biased New York-ass take, but it's just like your life in New York is just does not mirror that of somebody who's living in de- living down south in the country. It's more city. It's more fast paced. It's more boom, boom. It's more cultural, quite frankly, right? Like in Miami, it's literally 
it's literally just the Cubans, the Haitians, and the Jamaicans, right? And the um, native black Americans. Like, there's not this crazy melange of culture over there. And I just think that's what makes it a little bit different. I would say, actually, man, Florida Haitians are just, yeah, a little bit more Haitian, a little... They just have more country. It's just this crazy mixture, yo. It's hard to... It's hard for even me to describe it, honestly. I mean, I don't... I could just say I don't know anything about... I've spent very little time in Florida. Um, and when I've been there, I've been sort of, like, doing work. Uh, but uh, I feel like, I mean, tell me if I'm... I mean, I know that there's very big differences, obviously, inside New York in terms of, like, just even when you go to the West Indian Parade, like, it's very clear, like, you know, which truck is a Haitian truck, which truck is a Jamaican, which one is, you know, from Trinidad, whatever. But it also just seems to me that, like, there is very much within all of that difference and diversity, there is, like, a Caribbean New York culture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and very united. Especially now, right? Uh, especially in 2018. I think that's even more the case. I don't know that that was actually the case in the 70s and 80s when people really, when the migration really, really, really happened, right? Um, for instance, like, you know, Haitians were going to hospitals and were getting blamed for AIDS. So, like, hospitals put... Yeah like um, actual rules in place that doctors got to treat Haitian patients differently from other people. And this is documented. You can look this up, people. Haitians actually marched in Manhattan, you know what I'm saying, for the right to not be treated like other citizens. Um, you know, of course, there's the language barrier where people from Barbados, Trinidad, Grenada, Jamaica, um, they all speak English, right? Um, Haitians have sp spoke a different language, so that tended to isolate Haitians a little bit more. There was just a lot of stuff that isolated Haitians within the community, um, you know, and that's not even to say, like, when you go to work and the bosses are pitting the, the Caribbeans against the black American workers, right? Where they're like, yo, right. these guys come from a third world country. They know what real hard work is. You fucking black Americans are lazy. So, like, it's all these complicated things that were always happening, um, especially in New York City. You know what I'm saying? Uh, can we get... I don't know. I know. I guess you're not necessarily going to make it to the TMBS show at the Bell House in February, but I know there's many live shows ahead. Maybe we even just do a Woke Bros live show, and I'm wondering if uh, we could have a poster of John Vautran Aristide up when we do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get Aristide, we'll get Preval, we'll get, we'll even get Sweet Mickey in there, man. We'll, we'll try to cover the gamut of Haitian despots. Sweet kind of, kind of a little bit. They all were. Scary. They all were, bro. They all were. They all were drug peddlers. They all were U.S. sock puppets. All of them. Every single last one of them. Aristide. Yes, sock the puppets. United States and the UN removed. They had to go in exile to South Africa. Yeah, sock puppet. He probably stopped cooperating, but he was he was he was installed by the US. You know, it started as grassroots, but you, yeah. but like even to start grassroots, you gotta get support from somewhere. How do you even get that grassroots shit started? In a place right. like Haiti, specifically, right? Where the where the ruling class can squash you in a fucking instant. Yeah. Bro. Yeah, in yeah, a yeah. second, they can get yeah. your ass up out of here. So, 
you know, it is what I it is. But, but of course, you know, he, he had diverted hundreds of millions of dollars of funds offshore. And so when he got exiled, he's good. He's freaking filthy, that dude. He's back in Haiti. So he's lying low, I think, right? Isn't he back in Haiti? I know he, st- I know he came back for a spell. I don't know if he's back back. I don't know what he's doing. I, I can't say that I've been paying very close attention to Haitian politics recently. But, yeah, um, he's just focusing on Cardi B. you're like hey why would i why would i focus on haitian politics when there's a dominican rapper see that's how they that's how they get you (laughs) i heard i actually heard uh was that um i i I had to do a segment on it uh, one of the coups in haiti that the united states supported it was also um the Cali cartel in the 90s was behind it too because they used Haiti as like a main transport route out of Colombia. Was wow, so like yeah, so on the bigger on the on the other side of it too. I mean, uh for for as far as like New York people, I mean, I don't think people really get like the relationship that Spanish people and African American people have. That it was contentious. I mean, my dad used to tell me stories about the 80s, about the the race wars. You know what I'm saying? Like he lived yeah. in Brooklyn. Um, and that's kind of like been smoothed over, obviously, over time. But like there's always questions. I, I know people always ask me questions about, well, why does Fat Joe get to use the N-word? Or why sure. does – you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I kind of want you to shed a little bit of light on why that – something like that is kind of acceptable nowadays. Um well, maybe not nowadays, but <laughs> it was I, I acceptable think, okay, time. so for Fat Joe, right? Like, what people got to understand about— Or even like uh, Cardi B or, or Big Pun. I mean, you can go on and sure. on and on. But what people got to understand about Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, right? Like, the ethnic makeup is basically European, indigenous people, and African people, right? Like— that's essentially the ethnic makeup of the islands over there, which, which by the way, is the same as America, because the same right. people, you know, move the same people from the same places to do the same shit, right? Like, so, um, you know, that's one. To, to if we want to get really fucking extra technical about it, uh, where where shit starts to happen is that. You know, and of course, Rob could speak to this on the actual island of Puerto Rico, just like in America, a lot of the a lot of the freaking just European years of in European indoctrination, both here and in places like Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, the idea of like having lighter skin, having fair, you know, having um straighter hair, blah, 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 makes you a better fucking human being, right? And a lot of that has permeated all over the islands, all over America. Of course, everybody knows that. So now you get to New York City, the quote unquote melting pot, right? And the the bottom line is the the most downtrodden people in New York are blacks and Hispanics, right? Uh I think um I think when when whenever issues are framed, right, as you know, police brutality, for instance, they when they talk about the statistics of people who are getting pulled over more, more likely to get fucked up, more likely to get shot, they always say blacks and Hispanics. So traditionally, it's always been lumped in together. But when you really get to the granular level and the micro level in the actual communities, there's always been a division. 
for whatever reason. And for somebody like me, right, and, and I'm not af- afraid to say this because there's a Puerto Rican on the call, right? I'm like, look, when you go to New York, when you go to any Puerto Rican neighborhood, they're playing rap music. They're playing reggaeton, which is an extension of reggae and rap music, right? Like, a lot of our culture is their culture, right? That's right, Rob. And vice versa, too, though. <laughs> yeah, listen up, no, Rob. And, and, no, and no, I, that was going to be my next point. Like, uh, throughout the beginning, the origin of hip-hop, Latin people have been making, you know, great contributions to the culture. There's no two ways about it. But for somebody like me, I'd just be like, yo... A lot of times, Puerto Ricans don't give it up. <laughs> they just don't give it up to black people the way I feel like black people deserve it. But that's just, it's not just Puerto Ricans. It's everybody, right? Like, you can talk to somebody who's Indian, and they'll tell you, yo, my Indian parents don't think black people ain't shit. They think black people ain't shit. Somebody who's Asian, say, uh, you know, not Asian, but you know what I mean, Korean yeah. or Chinese or Japanese, black people ain't shit. But for me, it fit, I feel a more, to me, it cuts a little bit deeper with Puerto Ricans and Dominicans of New York City, because it's like, yo, bro, a lot of this shit is our shit, right? Walk like us, talk like us, the lingo to everything. But then when, but then when it comes down to the nitty gritty, you know, a lot of my, not a lot of my homies, one of my homies coined the phrase one foot over the fence ass motherfuckers, right? That's what he, that's how he would describe it. Where it's like, yo, when it's convenient to be like, oh, oh, black and Hispanic, yeah, 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 we in it together, support us, ah, ah, cool. But then when it's in the reverse, a lot of black people feel like they don't get that, that same support, you know, back from Puerto Rican people, right? And, you know, and again, like, it's little things like, you know, you read a you read a job application it says non-white hispanic and i'm like what does that even mean tell me about it (laughs) seriously what does that mean bro it's it's, i don't know what it means it's basically it's cuban i think what they're trying to do is cuban it's the cubans they mean cuban they 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 start they invented it 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 was marco rubio Right, this right. This question is for a Republican right. cocaine trafficker who hates Castro. Right. It it was yeah. invented by Nixon, the distinction. Right, it right. It was invented by him because really? like, yo, if we can get these people to think they're white, shit, that's great. To the point where, like, you know, Miami Cubans, that's a Republican stronghold, bro. And if you ask yourself, what's, what's the real difference between a Cuban and a Puerto Rican or a Colombian— I don't really know, but Miami Cubans get to be white. That's what I do know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like, and so right. that's part of, I think that's part of the frustrations and the divisions. And it's all just white people dividing us as usual, but we fall for it every time. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and it used to be, and like for full transparency, it used to be a lot, lot, lot worse, like way back in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 30 years ago in the eighties or whatever. And you I think- find- yeah, I mean, you still find it here and there, but I think like what people like fail to to understand sometimes too is like even within Hispanic culture. I mean, Puerto Ricans and Dominicans have always had problems. Puerto Ricans and, and Mexicans have always had problems. So like, you know, and that's just something that's naturally there. And and but but and people need to understand the problem is you know, and if you ask a Dominican, it's like yo, they think they're white. They think they're better than us because they're right. whiter than us. Right. Literally, <laughs> because because Puerto so, Rican people so, are part like, of the U.S. I mean, That's what they see. You know, it's, I mean, I, I was gonna say funny, but it's definitely not funny. But it's like, 
I, okay, you know what? Let me just not. I'm not even gonna take it in the direction <laughs> of like real racist trash people. I'll take it even in a more. Let me just take it in an even more like just kind of even slightly neutral. Like if you go to when my family left New York and they went up to fucking rural hippie Massachusetts, right? Where there is like a handful of people of color, period, representing all people of color. Like those, it's just amazing. Cause it's like, if you went up there, it would be like, oh, where are you from? The Dominican Republic. Oh, cool. I never heard of it. Is that in Africa? Like, yeah, facts. <laughs> like, no, no, this, no, no, literally, no, literally. It's like, oh, oh, you're a nigger. <laughs> like, literally. That's, I'm not even going. I mean, I'm talking like maybe even the lady that, yeah, that's one reaction for sure. But maybe even like nice liberal lady who's like, oh, we should do like a, a you know, a night at school so kids can learn <laughs> right. what your food is like. They don't Nobody. fucking know. Nobody anything. knows. Like it's all black. The dominant society exactly like could give a black. fuck. The dominant society could give a damn. You're black, bro. You're not white. Right. Yeah. No. When I when I moved from I'm I was born in New York and I moved to PA for like grade school. And I remember when I was in like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, even fourth grade, I used to get in fights like almost every month because some kid would come on the bus and call me a spick, call me a beaner, whatever. And like they don't know. And I was one of the first, like, it's, this was before, you know, 9-11, when a lot of people moved from New York to the Poconos, where I grew up. Right. And I was one of the first people there. I remember I was one of the first grades in my elementary school when they first opened it. And, like, I remember getting fights with kids because they used to say this stuff. And they don't know the difference. And, and it's like Boss says. I mean, he's right. Like, they don't know. And they were they will be the ones dominating the discussion. Because I remember when I was in eighth grade, a teacher signed me up for the diversity club. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, I didn't want to do this. Like, I didn't ask to get signed up for, oh, well, you're Puerto Rican, so I'm sure you could. No, like, I don't want to. I play sports. Like, don't sign me up for a club. Like, I don't want to do this. And it's like, people just don't, like, sometimes they don't understand. Like, like Wa said, a lot of people, and I know people who are friends of mine who are Puerto Rican or Dominican or even Cuban, and their family, older generations, obviously, if they brought home a white person or even a black person as their significant other, it's over. Don't talk to me. Like excommunicated from the family, all that type of stuff. I know people who who's, you know, don't talk to their grandparents anymore because their significant other is a black person or is a white person or is it even is, you know, Dominican dating a Puerto Rican. And um, you know, it's just weird to well, me. That, that is a lot. Though. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 much. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I just always thought it was interesting, like how you know even me right now i live in new york and i live around black people and and i live around spanish people too and it's like symbiotic now but it's always been interesting to me that there's like you said was there's always like a underlying tension there that like when something happens you know everybody picks sides bro you know somebody like me i ain't never been to no puerto rican day parade like me, I'm, and I've I'm never like, been to the I Haitian. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't do that. I, I I just can't. Cause like in my bones, I feel like those people don't want my black ass there. They don't want me breathing next to their Latin women. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> trouble. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's just that's just what it is. A lot, you know. And again, especially back, I don't think it happens anymore. But like you used to always hear uh, black and Hispanic, like just literally as if it was one word. 
Like always, well, now always it's minorities. Always. Now they're doing sure, now, yeah, now right, minorities. right. And I think you know, and I guess New York has become even more diverse than it's always been. You know, which is you know, which is fine, but. Yeah, I think people from around the rest of the country would would be shocked to learn, you know, the divisions that happen even amongst minority groups, man. Um, so the problem, uh, the problem is they eat too much swine. Corrodes the brains. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rob, Rob, you hey. want to uh, join the diversity club? You already what? signed me up. Signed you up. <laughs> Side Rob up for the diversity club. Oh, it's horrible. I don't even know. Get him the Mecca. I'm going to leave Michelle home and breathe next to some Spanish woman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just say on Amazon, it's yeah, go ahead. It's a scam. It's obviously it's a scam that these companies and there's a bill. If you're in New York, I don't know as much about what you can do about it in uh, in Virginia, but if you're in New York, uh, it's at least worth you know attempting and supporting. There's a state um, senator named uh, Ron Kim. Uh, assemblyman named Ron Kim, and he has a, a piece of legislation that would get rid of the business credit and take the money that we're going to give to the one of the wealthiest, most powerful corporations on earth so that they can create an even greater affordability uh, crisis in New York right. and fuck up the subways even more. And he's saying, let's take that money and forgive over 1 million New Yorkers of student debt, uh, yeah. which will have a much bigger effect on the economy and help a lot more people out. And since all of these idiots who always are saying that we don't have money for anything, they do have enough money to give away to Amazon, but they don't have enough money for the public good, this guy's like, oh, we'll have the money. How about we forgive a million student debt? It's Assemblyman Ron Ooh. Kim, and everybody should be making phone calls on the streets, out there, Backing him, fuck Cuomo, fuck De Blasio. This is what has to happen, dude. And um, I saw this tweet the other day. It was it said, Amazon is not bringing fifty thousand well-paying jobs to your city or state. They're bringing fifty thousand people who already have well-paying jobs. Right. <laughs> like that's the difference, bro. Like that. Like this idea that they're gonna come and they're gonna, you know, infuse so much bread into the New York City economy is bullshit. It's a lie, bro. It's just vanity, so that we could say we got Amazon in New York and like who cares? Like why do we need them? Exactly. Well, we don't. They will hurt New York and and this whole this whole like feudal like like this whole pat this whole country of all these states and cities begging Amazon, like a combination oh, of like is. feudalism and a reality show, all for people to give even more to this company that already ruthlessly exploits labor, that has already harmed uh, the way the economy is managed, Should that already has- to those people in those, um, in yes. those Amazon factories, bro? It's crazy. Yes. People scared to go take a piss in Amazon factories. It's disgusting. And Jeff Bezos is- 
definitely telling on himself by what looks to me like a pretty powerful steroid regimen. And it's like, <laughs> even after all the money and after all the lives crushed and after all the stupid covers on all the whack business magazines, the fact that the girls did like him in high school is still what stings. Fuck Amazon. Fuck the tax credit. Fight against it. That's it. All right. Well, to reiterate, man, make sure you guys are staying informed out there, yo. The horse race has already begun. I can't lie. I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> I hate to be that person, but I will be so locked into the Democratic presidential primary, man. Once again, make sure you go to CottonBureau.com. This is your very last chance. I don't want to hear no bitching afterwards like, oh, wait, I wanted a shirt. I just missed the deadline. These shirts been out there for three weeks, y'all. We've been pushing it, pumping it. This is your last day. Get you a shirt. Get you some pins. CottonBureau.com. Search count the dings. Make sure you guys check out the basketball buds, man. We just had Mike Prater on. We He was on for goddamn near two hours. We had a, a riveting discussion. I actually broke some news on that pod. Uh, people around KD are saying that he's a lock for the New York Knicks this summer. Oh, you know, shit. you can take that with a grain of salt, but the source that I spoke to, a very reliable, plugged-in person, he told me KD's a lock. I broke that news on the buds, y'all. I'm breaking news now, y'all. Like wow. a real reporter. <laughs> oh, wow. She gets you a little newsy cap. <laughs> and of course, don't forget to subscribe and rate the Daily Ding. That's our daily NBA show. We wrap up the NBA night. 15, 20 minutes, short bites. Very biteable, very eatable, very snackable. I just made up like three words right there. Of course, Nerd She Wrote comes out today as well. Make sure you check out that with my man Dave DeFore hosting. The Mailbag on Friday. House of Strauss. Ethan just did an incredible episode with Amin El Hassan. They talked about all the crazy shit that's going on in Golden State right now, y'all. That episode, if there are any NBA fans listening, you must listen to that episode. That's, so there's insightful. a lot of crazy shit. And make sure, and you know, I know we're not plugging the athletic yet, <laughs> but uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the athletic, man. Shit is uh, 40% off with a Count the Dings promo, y'all. Um, Marcus Thompson, Ethan Strauss, my man Sam Emmy, they they got the NBA on lock right now. And of course, man, Michael Brooks, the Michael Brooks show, man. The Michael Brooks show. You gotta join. Well, you gotta join the the, the you, you gotta, gotta become, become a patron. patron. You gotta do you it. have to make sure you try to get to the live show out in Brooklyn. There's gonna be a lot of firework there, man. I know Michael Brooks is an incredible performer, y'all. If y'all haven't realized this already, y'all need to make sure y'all check that out. And of course, last but not least, man, we gotta give a shout out to the Count the Dings patrons, man. Everything you guys do to support us, it means the world. It's how we're able to pump out just the most incredible content in the sports and culture spaces, man. Make sure you go to patreon.com backslash count the dings that's our show for today rob lopez man shouts to you for being on the ones and twos holding us down of course michael brooks always killing it see you guys next week <laughs>